James, uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Uh, hear the word of God, which is able uh, even to change us. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. The sun rises with its scorching heat, withers the grass, and its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, Slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And if anyone thinks he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the word, from the world. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. What do you want to do? Common question. I ask the question a lot. What, what do you want to do? Remember, asked that question. Probably, probably asked that question ten thousand times in my life. You know, growing up, you get to go over to a friend's house. You don't have homework. You don't have chores. Maybe it's spring break or something. You, you're over there, and you're like, "What do you want to do?" Uh, high school, you learn to drive. You can go over to a friend's house, meet up somewhere, uh, get together. A question you're trying to figure out. What, what do you want to do? There were tons of college weekends of figuring out who was around, who had time, who didn't have a test. Um, and the question was always, what, what, what do you want to do? Um, and there, there's some, we ask that question all the time, and there's assumption implied in that question. That as we have freedom, that freedom should lead us towards some kind of action. We should do something with this freedom. We should do something with this sweet time that we have. Uh, let's make it worthwhile. Let's... Maybe that's live it up. Maybe that's make memories. Maybe that's let's let's find some way so we use this so we don't just kind of waste away. And it was boring. And what'd you do this weekend? Nothing. Now we need to do is bored. Uh, what do you want to do? We're together, but let's let's enjoy it. Let's go after the things that that we want. Um, we want it to be worthwhile. We want freedom leads toward action. On here, as we're looking at James chapter 1, I want you to look at it this way. Uh, James is speaking to us of freedom to do. James is a book that, that leads toward action. The whole, every, every you know, verse as you go through, and you can hear it as we read it, it's just one thing after another of how we should live. Of, he's speaking to believers, he's speaking uh, to, to Christians, and he's talking about as they understand the faith, how that should impact words, their relationships, their difficulties, their desires, all kind of different things. It, it impacts how we live. James is trying to, to stir us up. Uh, he's trying to spur us on. Sometimes he's kind of provoking us a little bit, uh, challenging us. He's calling us uh, to this freedom, that there's a freedom uh, to, to live out the gospel. Now, I'm going to say it's not just the kind of freedom of the weekend. What do you want to what do you want to do at St. Patty's Day? Uh, what, do you, what do you want to do uh, as we get some time? It's not just freedom to make choices, but he's talking here about a gospel freedom, right? A freedom from redemption that's liberated us, uh, that's bought us out of, of being slaves to just serving ourselves and our own desires, uh, slave to our failures, slave to other people's opinions, uh, slave to some standard of rules of whether or not we can be uh, good by it. Uh, slave to our sin, uh, for our, to our rebellion against God that would lead to uh, condemnation from him. But instead, we've been freed from that. There's a forgiveness of God that he draws us into his love in Christ, lets Christ uh, cover all the consequences of our sin and pours his spirit into us for a newness of life so that we have a, a freedom from those things and a freedom to know his love and to live out of his love. We're enabled uh, with a new life to, to live in freedom. So what do you want to do? With the freedom that Christ gives, that God gives to his people from what Christ has done. The freedom that the Spirit brings into the hearts of his people. If you, if you, have that, if you want that freedom, ask God, he gives it freely. Uh, and if you know that freedom... What do you want to do? 
Because it's for something. Uh, And James is trying to stir us up uh, to live out that freedom in our actions. Three different sides I want us to look at as we go through this. Uh, The first is this. uh, The freedom to do even when it's hard. Even in difficult, maybe painful uh, circumstances. uh, The freedom uh, to keep going, to persevere. He uses the word steadfastness uh, several times in these verses. Um, Count it all joy, my brothers, he says, uh, when you meet trials, painful difficulties, trials of various kinds. Oftentimes the freedom that I want is the freedom to not go through difficult things, right? Uh, The freedom to ignore hard things. Sometimes I take the freedom that I don't have to ignore hard things, called procrastination and laziness. It usually doesn't work out well for me. comes back around, bites me on the other end. Um, but, but here he's talking about the freedom to actually press into those things that are hard and not be defeated by them. So all kind of different trials, right? He, he's like, I'm not giving you a category for it. All the different things that you go through that are hard. Yes, those are things that, are, that we're talking about. Um, so some of those things are just, hey, you came back from spring break, and spring break was fun. And now spring break is over. And summer is not for another six weeks. And there are tests and quizzes and papers and stuff that's due. And it's, it's, it's a trial to keep pressing forward, to not just take some freedom that you don't have, to just go to the beach in the middle of the week, uh, since there's good weather and not on Saturday, right? Um, sometimes that's heavier. Uh, sometimes that's painful things with family, difficulties at home. Sometimes that's uh, hard knocks in friendships, um, uh, insults, disagreements. Sometimes that's anxiety. Sometimes it's depression that you're not even sure where it comes from, but it still uh, weighs you down. That can just be insecurity, being around people, uh, personal failings, looking at the future. Wondering what you're going to do this summer. Will there be a job this summer? What's going to happen after you graduate? Uh, it can be relationships. So many different things can press down on us. Wait, and that they're hard for us to sit under, to realize what's going on, to face it, and to move forward in it. Um, and as much as we would love the freedom to just to move away from everything that's hard, you also long to be able to not just crumble under those difficulties, Right? You long for for the ability uh, to be enabled, to be resilient, to be able to handle it, uh, and and whether it's buckle down, but but move through it. And the the freedom that the gospel brings is that even in all those hard things, this is the way James puts it, he says, count it all joy whenever you go through lots of painful, difficult things in your life, whatever they are, whether that's for the hour, the day, the year, or things that you may carry with you all through your life. Count it all joy. And we're like, James, we got to start on such a hard note. <laughs> right? Joy, what? Um, let me be clear what he's not saying. He's not saying, make believe that it's okay. Just pretend that you're happy no matter what happens. Just keep that plastered smile on, and eventually you'll make it through. Because uh, that's a lie. And the Bible's not teaching you to lie. It's wanting to ground you in the truth. Um, And what he's actually doing is trying to ground us in the truth, in a truth that's deeper than just the present circumstances, 
right? He's trying to ground us in a deeper truth of God's promises. Uh, that there's a reason for a steadfastness that God has promised better than just the things that we're going through now. Whether everything's going wonderful and you can't help but smiling, or when smiling feels like mm, it's kind of hard to take the effort to get there. Uh, God's promised something better than, than just now. He's promised the new creation when, when all sadness and hard things will be taken away. When we'll be with him and we'll know his love fully. That's what he promises to his people as we would come to Christ. Uh, he promises removal of all pain and sorrow and sadness to make all things new and right and good. So as we go through hard things for the believer... There's a freedom to hope in something else. To say that this painful, sucky, difficult thing that keeps happening or keeps dragging or why is this happening right now, what does it lead you to do? The more hard stuff that you go through in your life as a believer, the more you stop hoping in the present and the more you start hoping in God's future promises. You say, there, that's what I want. Those are the things that I long for. And, and what these hard things do is teach us to long for that and that everything that, that has happened is moving us toward that day, that future, that hope. So we're not pretending that painful things are, are good. We're not pretending that we can just handle it and be okay with it. Uh, but what God does is a testing of faith. It pushes out where our faith is grounded. Is it grounded in what I get right now? A lot of the time. Uh, but as that faith is tested and ground out, it learns to trust in the promises of what God has said he would do. And so there's a joy. I'm not saying you're just happy all the time. There's a joy that says, yes, this is what I'm going through now, but I know it's coming. And that's what I long for. Even when it's difficult, uh, he gives a freedom for us to do, for us to continue steadfastly moving forward, hoping in God's promises, even for there to be joy in the middle of pain and sorrow. Now, a lot of times that's not really my perspective. Uh, I just want to complain. I get kind of bitter. Um, I turn on Netflix. I try to find something fun that just eases things down a little bit, right? Um, well, he, James gets that. Um, so what does he say? Listen, what God's doing is going to bring us to the place where we don't lack anything. But if, if you lack the perspective of finding joy in the middle of these things because God's promises are still good, then ask God to give you a better perspective. Ask God to give wisdom. And God gives generously the wisdom to see the joy of his promises even in the middle of pain and difficulty. Um. And we feel like, oh, man, I'm not even looking at these things right. And we just get down on ourselves. And we don't want to even just go to God and say, God, help me look at these things the right way. We, we just pray and we say, God, kind of make everything okay. Make it go away. <laughs> uh, make me procrastinating mean that these things don't actually have to get done. That would be really nice. God, could you do that, right? Um, we're not hoping in God's promises. We're just kind of hoping in getting what we want. That's part of the double-mindedness, the unstableness that he's, that he's talking about here. But, but what, like... God doesn't reproach you when you say, God, I don't know how to deal with this. God's not shaming you for not knowing how to take, how to still find joy when you're going through sorrow that overwhelms you. 
right? Christ was acquainted uh, with sorrow and with grief. He understands uh, temptation. He was tempted in every way uh, as we are. There's a compassion. There's an understanding uh, for that. But Christ suffered for the, for the joy that was set before him. And the same spirit of Christ uh, leads us toward that same hope. So God doesn't make us feel bad because we're not doing it right. He doesn't reproach us, as the passage says. He gives. He gives generously. Uh, God is for us, not against us when things are hard. And he is leading us even through the worst and evil and painful difficulties. Uh, He's leading us towards something good of his promises. And he wants to give us the wisdom. He's willing and does generously give us the wisdom to start to see it that way. Even when it's hard to press on. And then, you know, I kind of get confused when I go through James because he just jumps from one thing to another. And I'm like, wait, now he's talking about rich people, poor people, humiliation, flowers getting under the heat and just wilting and the beauty perishing. What's going on there? Well, man, like what I look to God for, what what we oftentimes feel like we lack uh, is we um, we lack what we think the rich have. And maybe we don't think all these ways of like rich or poor, lowly, like different classes of things in America. We do and we don't. But but here's the idea. It's, yeah, sometimes it's just money. Hey, the more money you have, like a lot of your troubles could just kind of ease out, uh, you know, in certain ways. You know, we, sometimes we long for reputation, Right? The, the rich in that society, they're the ones that are, that are looked at, that are valued, that are appreciated. When we long for people's appreciation, when we long for their respect, when we long for status and influence, it's, it's, these are the things that we want. We want ease and comfort and prosperity. These are all the things that we associate with the rich. And what does he say? Listen, we're just, sometimes we're aiming for that lifestyle. That lifestyle is just is passing away with the moment. It's not part of the, it's not the, the new creation. So, so let the person that has all that boast in being humbled, all that taken away. Uh, boast in that it doesn't lead him anywhere of, of kingdom value. Let the lowly person as he's exalted be thankful as it points to God's promises of what he can do. We want the hard things to just go away and have the ease. Uh, but God is teaching us even when things are hard, that we've got a freedom to press into that, to be steadfast and hoping in the future that he alone can bring and that he's surely promised. There's a freedom to do. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with that freedom? Well, even when things are hard, but secondly, what about when you don't want to do these things? And you have this freedom, and here's the good way that it can lead, but, but what about when that's, when that's not what you want? Because sometimes that's, that's not what we want. If you go back in Galatians, as we were putting Galatians and James together, the end of Galatians talks about sometimes we have different desires. We have conflicted desires. Um, there's the desires of the, of the flesh, of our, of our corrupted rebellion against God that, that wants to do things that, that aren't good that God doesn't like, that aren't even good for us. And there's, uh, it says the desires of the flesh are opposed to those that are coming from the Spirit. So what about when our desires, you see the way it talks about it, um, verse, uh, verse 14. Each person is tempted 
and lured. Uh, each, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, uh, brings forth death. Um, what do we do with these desires uh, in conflict? Right. The more current cultural notion of freedom looks a little bit different. Right? The cultural notion of freedom is uh, it's just freedom to fulfill your desires. Either the freedom we want, uh, the freedom that we feel like we should have, is that if we have a longing, if we have a desire, we should be able to pursue that. Uh, we should be given the opportunity uh, or at least be able to push toward the opportunity of fulfilling that desire, of satisfying that desire. Um, that's the way we tend to look at things. Sometimes we talk about that even as a right, right, to pursue the things that we want. Well, the gospel is giving a deeper freedom to not just be controlled by the desire of the moment, to not be controlled by our, our whims, but for when there's conflicting desires, uh, to be able to pursue what's good, what's better. Uh, the things that we uh, really long for. It talks about remaining steadfast under trial and receiving the crown of life. That's something we long for. Um, but though we're still led away, we're, we're, we're tempted in that to go a, a different direction. The gospel uh, gives us a freedom, even when we don't want to, to not just be controlled by those whims. Listen, just, just following the desire that you have, um, that'd be an easy way to get divorced, right, in your future. Just go with whatever whim comes along of what you want to do. Um, you probably won't have a very good marriage. And I'm not even saying you would have to cheat on your spouse for that to happen. That would be a part of it. But if you're just going with, here's what I want, self-serving, uh, here's the desire, and running for it, it's going to be an easy way to lose your job. Didn't feel like going into work. Didn't feel like making that sales call, um, turning in this assignment. Um, easy way to get friendships into trouble. I didn't want to deal with you. I didn't want to be nice to you. I didn't want to hold back the mean thing that I felt like saying. Um, I didn't want to take the time to be patient. It's an easy way to fail class. Um, just going with whatever whim you have, right? It'd be an easy way to get fat. Ice cream looks really good. Uh, it'd be an easy way to be anorexic uh, and bulimic um, and, and all kind of different struggles. An easy way to just waste a lot of time. Netflix, video games, or just hanging out with friends. Um, what about when we want to resist those desires uh, for something more that we long for? Because uh, what about those times where, where some of us get to those moments where there's a desire to just go ahead and quit? And not just for the moment, but like go ahead and end, end things. Uh, suicidal depression, and you wanted to resist that. Well, is, is there freedom to engage that resistance that we're not just led by the desire of the moment? Uh, or when that desire is to cut, or feel the pain that, that starts to resonate with, with the experience of things being difficult? What about when we want to resist certain sexual desires, whether that's same such attraction or porn or just moving too fast in a relationship before there's uh, vows and, and, a, and a real relationship of substance or, or medicating and just pursuing what's going to make the moment feel a little better uh, or maybe let you achieve a little bit, little bit better. Uh, these are the things that we, that we look at. Um, so often what we're, what we're led by is our, is our own desires. 
Uh, We're enticed by those things. And the gospel gives us a freedom to resist those that even when we don't want to go through the hard things and we want things to be easy and just have what we want now, to continue to hope, to be steadfast in trial and temptation and move forward uh, through it. When uh, fishing with the kids the other day, we were down at this uh, little place on a, on a river, um, so we got out our bamboo poles, you know, because uh, that's what we were doing. Um, and we didn't really have any good bait. We had, like, leftover chicken or bugs that we could find or whatever. So we were putting it on the hook and throwing it out there, and the fish would kind of look at our stuff, but we never caught any fish. People down from us that had better bait, they, they caught stuff. Here's what it's saying. There's this, there's this, what, what's enticing? It's like if you have a good lure on your line, a good bait on there, the fish is like, hmm, looks a little shiny, kind of a bright hook to it, but I want that. And, and sometimes it's our, the things that we lo- want, the things that we long for, the things that we desire are like shiny thing. Maybe we can see the hook in it, but we're like, but I want that. But, but that would feel good. This is the direction that I want to go. And it's just, I mean, look at, look at these verses, and it's incredibly insightful. Start to understand yourself, maybe even just human psychology. Um, we're tempted, we're led away by our own desire. And then that desire, when it's conceived, gives, gives birth to sin. Right? It starts with these longings, but then we, we open up to it and we lure it, and it leads us into rebellion against God. It leads us into the disappointment of failure uh, with ourselves. It leads us into... Um, uh, back, back toward these uh, different slaveries, and that, uh, uh, and that sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. It's towards separation from God and condemnation. But it, but it starts in our desires. Now, what we want to do a lot of time is kind of shift the blame, right? We want to go. Why is God putting me through all this hard stuff? He could just he. Isn't he all-powerful? Isn't he good? Can't he just make this all go away? Um, Is God the one that's tempting me? Is he making this go bad? Uh, Sometimes it's other directions. Sometimes we blame it on the circumstances around us, Uh, right? Under God's providence or whatever. But why? It's this this circumstance I'm in that's causing my sin. It's these people that I'm around that are leading me this way. It's what they're doing. It's what they're they're not doing that's leading me uh, into these things. And this is saying sin's not external. But what do you do when sin's internal? When it comes from your own desire? Is there, is there still hope for us? Is there freedom to do what we really would long for even when that's the case? And he's, and he's saying yes. He's saying absolutely. Uh, and here's the reason. It's ultimately because, um, verse 18, of God's own will, he's brought us forth by the word of his truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He's, he's made us, new. this is regeneration, it's new birth, it's conversion. He's, he's made us something new, being born, uh, given life from the gospel, from uh, the word of truth that then defines who we are and what we long in. It's in the language of Galatians, it's uh, the desires of the spirit that are greater, that overwhelm the desires of the flesh, so that there's a freedom to pursue what's good so that we can uh, be steadfast uh, in the middle uh, of trial um, and, uh, and continue forward toward that. Uh, um, verse 12, blessed is the man who reigns steadfast under trial for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, uh, which God has promised to those who love him. There's a deeper love for God that he's worked in us. 
It's not just like we have to or whatever, but like God has liberated us, redeemed us, rescued us, taken us as his own, covered our sins, promised us a kingdom, and we love him. And we love to walk around loving God and knowing his love and living for him, praising him and singing and looking at people around and trying to love them because they're made in God's image and caring and just that life gets to be devoted to God because we think he's amazing, because he is amazing. Uh, and there's a freedom in the gospel for that to be what controls our actions instead of just the whims of the moment. So we could be, even that desire that God would honor us. It's almost like this coronation uh, ceremony, right? That you would receive the crown of life. Uh, that God says here, what I've promised, life continually with me where all things are right, gets to be yours. So it starts to get in this language of don't deceive yourselves, um, right? We think the good is going to be getting our, our desires of the moment. Uh, but every good gift, and every perfect gift uh, comes from God. He's not against you. He's not watching the situation to set you up to see how well you'll handle this difficulty. Uh, to see if you can earn your way into his approval or into his favor. To see if you respond well enough through this test, through this trial, through this temptation. God is for his people. He gives generously uh, wisdom. Uh, he gives his son. He gives himself. Uh, everything that is actually good is something that comes from God. And as he makes us uh, out of the, the word of his truth, that's what we long for. And there's this freedom, even when we in some ways and sometimes don't want to, Remain steadfast, fixed on the promises of God. The freedom to continue to do. Even when it's hard. Even when we don't want to. And, and because of, because the truth is real. So you get this whole section of here, these, uh, these deceptions. Uh, but look particularly at verse, verse 22 uh, for this. Uh, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He's calling us into action, uh, not just hearing, because if, if you just value what you hear sometimes... Here you are, you're at RUF, here you're reading the Bible, maybe you're somewhere else, and you're, you're, you're hearing these things, you're saying, this is what matters, this is what I like, I want to hear more of that because that's good. But if it doesn't come out in your life, in your values, in your choices, and in your actions, then it ain't real. Right here, here's where he's, uh, he starts off talking about the, the word of truth, right? Back in verse 18, talks about it, the, the implanted word, uh, doers of the word, and he talks about this law of liberty in this word. But this, this, this word, and it's all that's from God and specifically focused uh, in the gospel, but it's something that's true. He's grounded us in that it's what's in us has to be in truth. If, if, if our actions are just in our head only or what we hear only and they don't come out in, rea in, in action, in what we do, it's not really real. There's not really a truth to it. If you say, oh, I believe these things and I want to hear these things, but I don't want to do it. If it's only here and it's not in the doing, then there's no substance of the reality of it. There's no truth to it. And we do. We lie to ourselves a lot. 
I, I really value justice. I really value uh, care for the poor. I love to hear people talk about these things or talk about racial reconciliation or talk about, but when it comes down to how do we live these things out and we see the ways that we fall short of it, we can't pretend that just because we like hearing it, that it's true. It's true if it comes out in what you do. So what does he call us to? Just give up and realize you can't do it or be down on yourself or just try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps until you get it right because it's all on you and where you are. No. He's grounded us in what God has done. That, that if you belong to Christ, if this freedom is really yours, then it's a freedom that comes from the word of truth. And so be grounded in it. To receive this implanted uh, word uh, with meekness and let it be changing us and be diligent in living it out. There's this great image of, like, looking in the mirror. Have you ever been in a house, like, that doesn't have a mirror for a, you know extended period of time? You're like, wait, I don't know, like, what I look like. I can't, like, get... But, you, you know, you look in the mirror, and you're like, all right. Maybe you fix your hair. Maybe, like, I had no clue that I was riding in a Jeep the other day, and I was like, my hair was all up on one side. And I didn't realize that until I was in the bathroom later and saw the mirror. I was like, ah. Uh, so maybe make some you know, adjustments, a little makeup, I don't know what you do. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't change a lot about you. Um, you see a little something, you walk away, I get back in the Jeep, my hair's up again, I don't notice. Right? Uh, it's only there when I'm looking at it. He's saying instead of this, where, uh, um, where we're looking at the mirror, it's different when we're looking at the word. He calls it the perfect law. He calls it the law of liberty. The law of freedom, uh, the truth about God's grace of who Jesus is and how his spirit is working in us and leading us. When we look at that, we're actually changed. Uh, we're transformed by it. I go look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and it talks about Moses' face glowing by being in God's presence. And it talks about us being in the word as beholding the glory of God, the glory of Christ and being transformed by it. It works out in what we do. And if we just pretend that our hearing it uh, is enough, we're lying to ourselves. And we're not living to the truth. And, and, it, and if, if you don't see this freedom uh, in your life to not just hear but to actually do, okay, come to God and ask for that freedom. Ask for that freedom from your sin and being stuck on yourself and just going on what's easy or what feels prosperous or what you want for the moment. Um, and instead, per, pursue uh, that, that he would change you and lead you into this. Because uh, this is what God really works in his people. Uh, so we're to, uh, we're to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, um, but receive the word and live it out uh, in our life. Got these again at the end of the end of these verses. Um, if you think you're religious, and all kind of other things come out of your mouth, you're lying to yourself. We do. We deceive our heart. He says the person's religious is worthless because James is provoking you. He's stirring you up to actions that even encompass what what words you you would say. Religion is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their, their affliction. He's like, here's, here's some big ways where the gospel changes your values and changes what you do. 
Because one of the biggest things that we just go about is caring for ourselves. We're self-serving. And the gospel uh, moves us toward love of neighbor. Right? And so scripture here, other places, like what, uh, points out orphans and widows. And here's the idea of it. Uh, yes, orphans and yes, widows. And beyond that, it's particularly people who don't have someone to be uh, protecting them, defending them, providing for them. They're left on the edges of the margins of society trying to just make what, what can come. Those that don't have... We drawn to them, to love them, to sacrifice for them the way Christ has sacrificed for us. Because if we hear the word and all the good of what God's done for us, and we receive that implanted word, it gives us the freedom to be grounded in that truth where what we hear is really lived out in what we do. And yes, that challenges you. And yes, that pushes you further, and that's what it's supposed to do because it's a freedom for you to do as God has done for you. Not to earn it, not to make up for things you've done, but out of his love and toward love for him. What do you want to do? If you don't have this freedom, if you don't see it in your life, uh, please talk to me more. uh, but, But ask God and he freely gives it. He gives his son, he gives forgiveness, he gives his love and he draws you into that. He gives his spirit that would lead you in this freedom. And if you know this freedom, what do you want to do? What do you want to do tonight? What do you want to do this weekend? What do you want to do this summer? What do you want to do next year? What do you want to do over your time that you're at FSU? What do you want to do when you graduate? You have the freedom to live out the gospel, to do what God calls you to, even when it's hard, even when sometimes you don't want to, because the truth of the reality of who God is and what he's doing in you.